Hey, you. Yeah, you. You know, I'm Dozer of the Such Good Shoot podcast, and I just want to tell you how excited we are to be part of the Johnners Podcasting Network. It is home to many great wrestling podcasts, such as Wrestling with Johnners, Turnbuckle Arms Podcast, Rope Break, our good buddy, What Do You Say with DDJ, The Call Up, and many more. If you want just some of the best wrestling podcast action, make sure you just go to WrestlingWithJohnners.com and check everything out. So till next time, I've been Dozer. This has been Such Good Shoot, intoxicatingly entertaining. The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Attention wrestling fans. You're now about to listen to the band coming down the aisle. From the main streets of South Elgin, Illinois, with a microphone in his hand and questions on his mind, this is What You Say with D. DJ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 50 of What Do You Say with DDJ. As always, I am your host, DDJ. Yep, we've hit the big 5-0, and uh, can't believe it's been almost a year since I started this show. And I want to once again thank everyone who has listened to one episode, listened to all 50 episodes, or some number in between. I'd like to also thank all the wrestlers and personalities that have been a part of this show. To go through everyone would take a long time. And I mean, if you want to watch any of the old episodes, just go to uh, wrestlingwithjohners.com and find my show on the uh, page there. And I'll take you to my show's page where I have access to links for all the shows on YouTube as well as Apple and Spotify uh, for all past episodes. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, going into uh, this week's episode, uh, my special guest this week is the Manimal Chip Walker. Uh, who wrestled recently at the CCW show back on June 12th. And uh, I hope you all enjoy the uh, show. So grab your drink, grab your snack, grab, get comfy, and uh, kick back and relax and listen, enjoy episode 50 of What Do You Say with DDJ? And my guest this week, the Manimal, Chip Walker. Hello there, wrestling fans. It's John Bolt, owner of Chicagoland Championship Wrestling, and you're listening to What Do You Say with DDJ? Okay, we are back with another episode of What Do You Say with DDJ, and joining me this week is someone who I got to uh, meet at the last Chicagoland Championship Wrestling Show, which as of this uh, day we're recording this, which is uh, Thursday, July 15th, is available on the High Spots Wrestling Network and soon to be coming on Amazon Prime, Fight Fight.TV, and Powered for TV. A really cool gentleman. Uh, he is known as the uh, Manimal Chip Walker. Chip, how are you doing this evening? Good, good. I uh, appreciate the intro. They're really, uh, you know, working me in. I like it, so thank you. Hey, man. I like I said before. I really enjoyed getting to talk to you at the show. I consider you a friend, so I, I, try, I try to take care of my guys. So awesome, awesome. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see in the bottom of the screen. You can follow Chip on Instagram at the Party Manimal and on Facebook at Chip Walker. So. Uh, Get right into it. Uh, Chip, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask every usually every guest on here uh, for to lead it off. Uh, how did you discover professional wrestling? So my sister's friend's cousin uh, was just doing stuff in like the local scene. So she kind of got me in contact with him and then just kind of through the grapevine of communication uh, ended up uh, hooking up a couple people and that's how I got started. Now, were you a fan before? Like, did you watch it on TV before you got into it, or did you discover actual the actual pro wrestling before you actually started watching? No, I've always been a fan. Always loved it. Um, now, how did you discover like on TV? Like, uh, where did you? What did you watch back when you first like discovered pro wrestling on TV? So I remember just being a kid watching like the WWF at the time, like those pay per views, mm -hmm. um, you know, with my dad, things like that. And then as I got older. Uh, got introduced into more like ECW and things like that. Actually got to go to a pay-per-view at ECW. So that was kind of cool. Uh, you know, it's like third grade. So 
course everything was <laughs> chanting. I had to be edited, you know, so my dad didn't yell at me, but yeah, it was a you know, I always kind of been a fan. Right. Um now which uh if you don't mind me asking, because I've been to a couple ECW pay-per-views myself, uh I was a little older um and stuff. Uh which uh which one did you get a chance to go to? It was the Anarchy Rules one out in the, in the Odium out in the Chicago area. No kidding, I was yeah. there for that. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, I was uh I think I was like fourth row or something from the ring. Oh uh, yeah, we were first row, uh opposite side of the entryway, so you know, and Mike Awesome's powerbomb people through tables it was right in front of us and things like that. So it was really cool. Yeah, I went to uh, the other pay-per-view they did, the November to Remember 2000. And I think I sat in the general area where you sat because I sat front row opposite the entryway for that one. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. ECW is a good time. So uh, so when you first started watching uh, professional wrestling, who were some of the guys that you, uh, that you kind of were drawn to? Yeah. Uh, I was always like a big Shawn Michaels fan growing up. I mean, I'm sure everybody was. Uh, mm-hmm. But then as I kind of started watching more, Kurt Henning was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once like Kurt Angle came around because I grew up wrestling, and I was like, oh, that's my guy right there. He's a wrestler too. And so, you know, I was always drawn to the, the Kurtz, I guess. Cool, yeah. And actually kind of like having talked to uh, John Bullard, who's a good friend of mine, and he gave me some like when I first, you know, when it was first announced that you were coming to CCW for the June 12th show, when you were originally slated to uh, uh, go up against uh, Mr. 3% Jonathan Hudson, which we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, I was asking, cause I had never heard of you, but I was, I always like when he brings some new guys in, I always go to him and I'm like, Hey, you know, tell me a little bit more about this guy or where can I see some stuff? And John had nothing but good things to say about you. And he said someone that like, you know, don't take him lightly. And like I said, the, after, uh, you know, seeing you in action, I definitely can see. Um, and I want to ask you, because you mentioned Kurt Angle. Did he have an influence on your uh, ring style? Because I kind of got a Kurt Angle-ish <laughs> vibe from you. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Kurt Angle, a lot of like uh, Steiner Brothers from back in the day. Uh, yes. Kind of a lot of more of that uh, shooter style. You know, I really appreciate that kind of the craft work that they put in and the things that they were able to take from like the amateur scene into the professional scene. Uh, so a lot of influences there. So, so, okay. So you mentioned the Steiner brothers and this is a discussion I've had with a lot of friends on here. And I kind of want to get your take on this because you're one of the first people I've ever interviewed to bring up the Steiner brothers, huge fan of them, you know, back in the early nineties, you know, when they were like in their prime and stuff, I've always said that I feel if you had taken early nineties, Scott Steiner, like his wrestling ability and combined it with the big Papa pump character, he would have been an all time great. Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I, I yeah, with no questions. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, yeah, just because I mean that big Papa Pump character was was just phenomenal, and just imagine if he had half the ability that you know he had back in the early '90s and stuff. Just he would have been an all time great. Oh yeah, with that athletic ability and then the the, the power that he just brought, and I, I mean his math his math was always great too. So I mean, you can't go wrong there. Right, right. So, okay, so uh, um, when did you decide, like, about how old were you? Like, what time frame are we talking about when you decided that professional wrestling was something you wanted to get into? Probably since I started wrestling at four. Um, I think just kind of being on the mat and then watching on TV is always something I wanted to do. Um, you mm-hmm. know, like, hey, I pick people up on the mat. I could do that in a ring or you know, kind of get out there and do a lot of those moves. I felt like I was able to do that too. So that's just something, something I think kind of growing up watching, like I said, plus all the amateur stuff. I think it was just kind of something I've always wanted to do. So you had mentioned I, that you were an amateur wrestler, and I believe that is also a first on this show. Um, and I wanted to ask you, because it's something I've always kind of like was intrigued by. And that was the fact that like being an amateur wrestler, like how big of a, like a, I guess like for lack of a better term, call it a culture shock. Was it for you coming from the amateur ranks to like your first day of professional wrestling training? Um, I don't think it was too bad. Uh, you know, kind of after that first day of just taking bumps and learning how to bump and keep myself safe. Um, I think kind of once I got over that and you know, it was pretty smooth sailing. Uh, a lot of the moveset and things that we worked on, it just, it, it seemed to come natural. Um, mm-hmm. Like one of the biggest things was like just tying up, you know, you, the way you tie up in wrestling is a little different than you tie up like amateur wise. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of 
kind of being able to adjust like, okay, you know, when we tie up, it's, it's same arm, same leg, where it's amateur, it's opposite arm, opposite leg. Cause if you go same mm-hmm. to same guys can shoot and take it down. So kind of learning the ebbs and flow that way. Um, I think the biggest thing was just psychology, you know, being able to get into the ring and telling a good story. You know, you want the fans that are there that have paid to come see you, be invested in you, be able to understand what's going on, but also someone that maybe just watches highlights or sees a quick clip of you, you know, they should be able to see the story that's being told as well. So kind of figuring out that ring psychology and kind of what goes into a good story and and, into a good match. And I, I and as someone who's been a fan for a little over 30 years now, um, you know, I really appreciate hearing that because I know, and this is something that a lot of like the traditionalist wrestling fans or the old school wrestling fans have an issue with when it comes to today's product is, is that it's, you know, it seems like storytelling is becoming more and more of a, of a lost art. Um, so it's nice to see someone such as yourself that's really big on storytelling still um, I mean, do you feel like storytelling is becoming a bit of a lost art in uh, the world of pro wrestling? I I feel like it. Um, I feel like that it's a lot of you get a lot of matches with a lot of very athletic people. Um, they do stuff that I can't do or imagine to do. Um, mm. and so it seems like it's a lot of like just big spots over and over again. And you know, to some crowd, some niches, that's that's fine. But uh, to me, I like, I like to keep that old school kind of style, be able to tell a story and, you know, have people invested in who I am as a, as a performer, um, as my character, you know, help people get invested, whether it's good or bad into the, the person I'm wrestling, you know, cause if they're invested in them, they're going to be invested in me if that's who I'm working for the night. Uh, so just kind of getting everybody into it. I think that's, that's ultimately what's more important, not necessarily that I can go up and hit a 450 or, you know, do something crazy. That's just to do something crazy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good what like some people like to call uh, a spot fest, you know, or a super kick party. I mean, <laughs> I think there's a place for that in there. I'm I'm a guy that I believe there's a place for every style of wrestling. Like I exactly. can enjoy, you know, a traditional, you know, old school wrestling match with good storytelling. You know, like one that's laden with high spots, one that's a comedy wrestling match, you know, even to a bit of a certain extent, the hardcore, you know, death match stuff. I mean, I believe there's room for everything when it comes to pro wrestling, but it's just, yeah, I, I don't like how it seems like, you know, storytelling is really kind of fallen by the wayside. And that's one of the things I really like about what John's doing in CCW is that like, He's telling stories, you know, every match has a story behind it. You know, we, you know, talk about, again, we'll get into this a little bit later, you know, the, you know, you having to prep for, you know, someone only to, you know, find out that he wasn't going to be medically cleared and going into someone else, but yet, you know, the story from your original opponent still carrying over. And I definitely want to get into that a little bit later uh, once we kind of get up to that point. But uh, if you uh, let's go into like your training and stuff. Uh, where did you go to train? So uh, I train out into the DeMont Boxing Club in Indiana. Um, mm-hmm. Just a small, small couple guys. Our trainer uh, wrestles as Roach um, or as BAD. It's like his little golfer gimmick. Um, okay. but yeah, he's, he's been in the business 15-plus years, done a lot of stuff around here. Um, and so he's, he's got a wealth of knowledge. and He's really helped me kind of develop my craft and you know, make sure everything makes sense and kind of fine-tune any moves I do. Um, you know, like with my Germans, you know, he's, he's right on top of me. Hey, make sure we're getting a lock here. Make sure we're lifting this way. You know, we're always communicating, um, you know, don't do anything that's gonna, you know, hurt your opponent. Cause you know, it might be you one day. So, you know, if you keep each other safe, you know, it's, it's just going to make a better match and, you know, keep everybody going. Cool. Cool. So, uh, would you say that was probably the best piece of advice he gave you or was there something else that really kind of sticks out a little bit more that maybe you still use to, uh, to, you know, when it comes to, uh, your, uh, your career to this day? I think one of the most important things he told me was shake everybody's hand when you get there, shake everybody's mm-hmm. hand because I had no clue that, that, that was a kind of a written rule. Um, mm-hmm. and so like right before one of my first shows, like, Hey, make sure you shake everybody's hand when you get there, introduce yourself shake everybody's hand when you leave, uh, you know, cause essentially we're, we're a brotherhood, you know, so everybody's mm-hmm. working together all the time. You see a lot of the same familiar faces. Um, so make sure that, you know, you're being, you know, friendly, but you're also being cordial. You're, you know, keeping, keeping your mouth shut when you need to be, have your ears open, um, kind of listen to your vets, trust your vets, that kind of thing. 
that's pretty cool story there, you know, and I hope that's something like that someone who's maybe aspiring to be a professional wrestler that was, that's listening to this or, you know, anybody that's looking to get in the business. Uh, I've got actually got a uh, friend of mine, uh, uh, Sean, who was actually, who sat next to me at the uh, show in June. He's actually just started training to become a professional wrestling referee. Oh, awesome. So. awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Sean, if you're listening to this, which seeing you're my friend, I hope you're listening to this. If not, I'm gonna be very mad. Uh, listen to what Chip said, you know, make sure you shake everybody's hand and stuff, but uh, but that's really cool. So, uh, so this was uh, when did you uh make your official like professional wrestling debut? Um, it was that November, right before all the COVID stuff hit, so yeah, so, it was- so 2019. Yeah, so yeah, a little unfortunate on the timing aspect, but mm-hmm. you know, you got to make do with what you got. Right, right. And uh, how long? How long? What was the time frame from when you started your training to when you had your first match? It was about six months, six seven months. Um, I know with with Roach, the way he likes to train, he tends to keep people a little closer to about a year. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we only train on Sunday, so kind of only getting that once a day. You know, kind of. Makes things a little tougher on some people. Um, like I said, I was fortunate enough to kind of pick up on things pretty quickly. They felt comfortable, you know, being able to throw me in a match. They had an opening, needed someone to fill. Um, and since I got to work Roach in my first match, you know, it, it made things a little easier too because he already knew what I could do, kind of knew the things we've been working on at practice. So, you know, we kept it real simple match, kept it real clean. Um, you know, I gave some pointers post-match a little bit. But, you know, from there, just kind of ball's been rolling and it's been good. That's awesome. So uh, up to uh, when uh, and now when you started wrestling, uh, when you had your first match in November of 2019, uh, what company was it for? Uh, ACW, Acme Wrestling. Okay. And uh, and now was that basically who where you uh, were wrestling primarily until the pandemic hit? Uh, kind of those. So those that's the guys we train with um, and they run shows out of the boxing club. Or there's a couple elementaries in the area that they'll run shows out of, too. Um, and then, actually, just kind of through people, through Roach, um, it got me on to a couple other different shows, um, kind of in the South Bend, Mishawaka area. Um, and then just kind of ball's been rolling from there. Great. So, uh, um, so up until uh, basically from the time you started to when the pandemic hit, which we're talking maybe roughly about four months, uh, how many matches did you have? Uh, I think I had like three or four, then everything kind of shut down. I didn't do anything for about three months. Um, mm-hmm. and then some places start to open up a little bit. Um, you know, they're according to kind of their, their area and the counties and stuff like that. They had a little different regulations, did a couple just live stream shows, no audience shows, um, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, three, four matches had about three months off and then was right back at it and just. Kind of wrestled all through the pandemic. Nice. So uh, having, uh, you know, listening to what you just said there, so you've obviously wrestled in front of nobody, you know, no crowd, and now, you know, that things are opening up, and, you know, at, like in June, you wrestled, you know, you know, in, in front of a crowd. Uh, how vital, because this was some, probably the one thing, my, me, me, myself, have, you know, having watch, you know, professional, you know, wrestling for over 30 years that it really took from this pandemic is how vital the crowd, their role is in the overall presentation of pro wrestling. And I just kind of wanted to get your take on that. Like, you know, obviously having been on both sides, you know, where you've wrestled mm-hmm. in front of zero, zero crowd and, you know, wrestling in front of, you know, crowds such as, you know, on in back in June for CCW, uh, how different is it? Is is it for you to, you know, when you're wrestling in front of zero people versus a crowd? It's it's different for sure, um, especially with how I come out. You know, I come out screaming and yelling, high energy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I said, it, it, it's a party anytime I get out there and get into the ring. Um, so having those fans behind me cheering for me, I want to get my chug chants going and they start chugging along. Yes. Uh, you know, it just, it just amplifies me and, you know, makes everything what I do. Just, I want to make sure it's that much more perfect for them. Um, and so not having that crowd, it's a little rough, you know, I still brought the energy, still brought the high tempo, but 
you know, not hearing those ch- chants or the Chuck chants when I'm kind of down a little bit, what well, was a little different, a little weird, uh, but you know, we got through it. Right. And you talk about wrestling in front of a crowd. And one of the things I kind of want to get into a little bit is, is you brought quite the the cheering section with you to uh, the CCW show. In fact, I, I literally was sitting next to them and everybody there was like really cool. The little, the little girls you had sitting there with you and stuff were, were, were had me and my friends laughing and stuff like that. So, so who all did you bring with you to, uh, to the show? Because I mean, you had probably the biggest fan base out of anybody there. <laughs> So my parents were there, um, my brother, and he brought my nieces with. Um, one of my other nieces was there, another brother of mine. Uh, my wife and uh, my stepdaughter were there. Uh, my stepdaughter's dad was there as well. Uh, so yeah, then I had some buddies that just kind of, hey, we got tickets, we're coming. So I had a couple buddies kind of sprinkled throughout the crowd too. So yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a good time. And so, and taking the, you know, I mean, it's, it's so nice to hear that, you know, you had your, you know, brothers and, you know, family, your parents and everything like that. And what, what does it mean to you to have the support of like your, you know, your family and your friends uh, as you do this? Because, you know, some of the guys I've had on in the past, really, when they got into this, really didn't have the same kind of reception you know, from their family and friends that you had, it seems like you got when you got into it. So what does it mean to you to have the support of most importantly, your parents, but obviously, you know, your wife, you know, your brothers, their, your nieces and all that. What does the, the support of family and friends uh, mean to you? Uh, it's been absolutely awesome. Um, you know, that my wife at the very least is at about just every one of my shows um, mm-hmm. with her being pregnant right now. It's a little tough sometimes, but you know, she still shows up. She helps with my merch. Um, you know, my parents, okay, yeah. Can, yeah. But my yeah. parents can make it. They make it. Um, mm-hmm. I actually just did a show recently in Niles, Michigan. My brother drove all the way out there for that. Um, wow. So, yeah, it's, it's absolutely awesome. Um, I have seven other siblings. So, yeah, so between all of them, they're constantly showing up for shows. Um, I've done some stuff down closer to Indianapolis, and my sister lives down there. So she's brought, you know, my brother-in-law and her nieces and stuff to it, too. So it's been it's been awesome to, you know, kind of look out in the crowd and always see a little, little chip section at the very least. Um, and then like at CCW or at a little bit of a bigger one, you know, it just, it just makes me, uh, that more energetic and that much more, uh, to want to make sure I'm doing what I can do at the best of my level. That's awesome. I had the pleasure of talking with your wife at where you're selling your merch because I was wanting to get a shirt. And again, I think <laughs> I talked with you and yeah, yeah. Uh, for those of you who weren't at the show and are listening to this, uh, I did not buy a Chip Walker shirt only because he did not have any in my size. So I'm still we're holding you to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm still holding you to that and stuff. But your wife was a very nice woman and stuff. I enjoyed talking with her and stuff. And uh, congratulations on the upcoming bundle of joy. If you don't mind me Thank asking, you. when's Thank the baby due? End of August. End of August. Wow. Right? So, yeah. So you're almost there. Are you? Uh. So, so in end of August. Uh. We'll kind of just do a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, will you be uh, at the CCW show in August? That's the plan. So as awesome. long as the because the baby's supposed to be due the following weekend. So as long as he stays in there, uh, yeah, I'll be at CCW for sure. Sweet, sweet, and that. So, so once you uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, what uh, when the pandemic hit and you basically, you know weren't wrestling or you were going, like you said, three months in between shows. What were you doing uh, in the meantime? Uh, just trying to work out, do what I can. Um, you know, kind of took that time, studied a lot of like older matches, uh, you know, stuff from 80s, like New Japan, things like mm-hmm. that. Just kind of uh, a lot of Gary Albright videos. Uh, thanks to John on that one, too. He, he you know, sent me a lot of Gary Albright stuff to watch. And oh, yeah, just he's, put me down. He's, John, me John. Bowl, so. When it comes to, like, you know, looking for matches or recommendations and anybody that's friends with, uh, that's listening to this, that's friends with John Bullard on Facebook, if you want some recommendations for, like, a particular wrestler or, like, if you want, you like, John's an amazing resource. He's recommended yeah. some oh, really yeah. good stuff to me in the past, so. Yeah, he's he's got a, a wealth of knowledge and a, mm. quite a collection of matches for anyone to watch if they're interested, so, yeah. Yeah, very, very cool. So, uh, so yeah, so actually, um, so when the 
the so you've mentioned Gary Albright. Uh, what were in like you know watching old matches from the eighties and stuff? Uh, what were uh some of like the matches that like? Oh, okay, I'll ask you this. What would you say if you had to rate like maybe your top uh one, two, or two, just your top like favorite matches of all time? Um, what would they be and uh, why? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um. I think I'd have to put Sean and Razor up there just because okay. like the ladder match. Like I remember watching that as a kid and just being blown away um, and kind of just, you know, watching that and going. Yeah. Now you're talking about the one from, you're talking about the one from uh, WrestleMania 10, correct? Yes. 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 Okay. Because a lot uh, yeah, of people may not realize they actually had a second ladder match as well too. So <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. WrestleMania 10 there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I just, kind of the story they told and everything, even from like just their entrances, you know, all the way through the match. It was just, you know, it's one of those ones that stuck out all in my memory and something I just like to watch for fun sometimes. Yeah. Um, I've watched, I watched uh, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar quite a bit. I feel like any match with them was always good. Yes. Uh, just the technical style. Um, yeah. The, I find myself going to back to like a lot of Dean Winko stuff. Uh, maybe okay. not necessarily a particular match there, but, uh, you know, him with like Eddie or something, or maybe like Ray Mysterio, like, I mean, mm-hmm. just the stuff that they could do in the chain wrestling aspect of the thing, uh, was always kind of cool to see. Um, and then my trainer Roach, he recommends, uh, Quackenbush quite a bit. So I watched okay. some of his stuff too, and just kind of the things they do and the chaining he can do with certain people. Um, you know, so I, I don't know if it's necessarily particular matches as it is like just people and their styles and mm-hmm. kind of how, how they work and operate. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair enough and stuff. I liked how you mentioned, you know, Dean Malenko is another one who I think is criminally underrated when it comes to, you know, the great wrestlers. Cause you mentioned, you know, Malenko, you know, with the stuff with Eddie, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the stuff they did in ECW, Yes, um, yes. you know, the stuff he did with Mysterio and WCW. And it's just, it's just, there, Malenko was one of those guys you could really look back and say he if he if he if he had a ba- bad match it may have been one out of like a thousand or something like that. Yeah, like yeah, every yeah. time he went out there, you know, he put on a hell of a match. So exactly, I don't watch him for his promo work, but his his injury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was never, but he did, you know, in in the grand scheme of things, he really didn't need that because he was one of those guys that let his uh, in ring work do the talking. Exactly, exactly. And that's so. So, uh, so we talk about like uh, you know gimmicks and things and that that nature, and obviously gimmicks are a big part of you know every professional wrestler. And I kind of want to get a little bit of a backstory on yours because you know you 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 mentioned you know you're very big on the suplexes, and like I said, John who. I reference a lot in here again. John's a really good friend of mine and stuff. And he told me about you. You know, he mentioned that you were very, you know, you were, he didn't call you the human suplex machine a la Taz, but he said <laughs> you were known for your suplexes. And, you know, having watched you, you know, I definitely can see why. But I want to ask, uh, who, uh, how did the, uh, the, the, the manimal come about? So since my gimmick is, um, you know, the frat boy kind of. Mm-hmm guy uh, you know every frat boy's got a name a nickname of mm-hmm. some sort um so i was just kind of just tossing things around one day and i was like yeah i don't want to be like the animal that's kind of basic or like the man or you know i was just kind of pinballing things and i was just like the man I'm like, all right and then actually my one of my older brothers was like yeah that was the nickname i was gave my guys on wrestling games so maybe that's why i thought it good i was like i could be why <laughs> as well but so yeah so that's just kind of Spitballing some things, and that's what we landed on. And and with your, uh, you have that, you know, and that's a really cool story. Did was there anybody in terms of say like a pro wrestler or even you know like a movie character from a movie, say like you know old school or Animal House or something or Revenge of the Nerds? Was there anybody in particular that like you wanted to like model your character after? So it's kind of all three of those, actually. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like the the Belushi meets uh, Will Smith meets Ogre, but like a good guy Ogre, you know. So uh, yeah, kind of. You all mean three Will Ferrell? Yeah. Okay. 
Oh, what I say? What I say? Will you Smith. said Will Smith. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, okay. So, the Manimal. For those of you who uh, want to recap, the Manimal is part ogre, part Bluto Blutarski, and part uh, uh, Will Ferrell. So that is that is a that is a nice uh, hodgepodge of guys there and stuff. So. <laughs> And I brought those movies up because uh, they're some of my favorites. Revenge of the Nerds is yeah. one of my all-time favorite comedies and stuff. So, yeah, so it's really cool that I love the fact that your character's got a little bit of an ogre influence. And I think my fandom of you just went up a little bit just for that alone. So. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. So, yeah, so we're kind of, uh, you know, getting up there and stuff, you know. So when so what was it like uh, for you once you started going to show doing shows? And like fans were, you know, coming, were able to come back. I mean, obviously, you know, you might, you know, there were small crowds and stuff because, you know, obviously COVID restrictions and capacity yeah. limitations, you know, limited it. But what did it mean to you? Like after, you know, coming back from the pandemic and wrestling your first show in front of fans again? It was awesome. It was awesome. Um, you know, just to get that little pop when my music comes, you know, when my music hits, there's usually a little buzz going already because they know, mm -hmm. you know the party's coming. Uh, but being able to come out of that curtain and just, you know, like I said, I hoot and holler when I come out and the fans just screaming with me there. Uh, you know, a lot of them call me the root beer guy now too. So, <laughs> you know, Hey, that's okay with me. Uh, you know, but they get excited. Little kids run up, root beer, root beer, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah, that was definitely missed during the, during the, the, the pandemic times there. So, so did the, was the root beer thing because. I like that when you came out with the the six pack. I, I believe it was A and W, and you were passing it out to the crowd and stuff. Um, I don't drink soda, so I I'm, I'm glad you didn't offer me one because I didn't want to be that guy that like said no, I'm I'm good, I'm good, and stuff. Um, but like, how what like how did that come into the how did that come into the equation? Uh, so kind of goes back to being the frat boy. Um, you know, mm -hmm. frat boy is always partying, drinking that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so since most of the shows, you know, are family friendly, it was like, well, I can't necessarily come out with beer. So what would be the alternative? Root beer. So, you there know, I start calling up my, my root brewskis, um, you know, and I come out and most of the times I have the can sign. Sometimes I don't. So it's kind of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 50-50. You just got to pay attention if you, you're lucky enough to get a manimal root brewski, see if it's signed or not. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it kind of goes from there. So, so, okay. So now I want to get into, uh, your, uh, CCW because pretty much, you know, that's where we're getting to now and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I always like to ask, cause the majority of the guys that I've had on the show, you know, have worked or currently work, you know, for John with CCW. And I always like to ask, you know, how that came about. So I'll ask you that, uh, how did, uh, CCW come into the equation? So I saw a flyer, um, at a local Michigan city restaurant. Uh, messaged a couple of my buddies. Hey, do you guys know? You guys know anything about this? Um, one of them said, "Hey, you, you know, I think Michael Allen runs it." Uh, so I actually reached out to Michael Allen. He goes, "No, no, I don't. Really just I help with it. You know, I do. You know, he's kind of good backbone and uh, foundation of CCW. So he got me in touch with John, and then John said, "Hey, like, you know, send me what you got." Um, and just kind of sent my stuff, my resume, some video. Didn't have much video at the time, but uh, apparently it was enough for it that he liked what he saw. So uh, he just got connected from there. Um, came out to the first CCW show, helped out any way I could, um, you know, helped set the ring up, take it down, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, just kind of trying to pay my dues where I can and, you know, make sure I'm doing kind of what I'm supposed to be doing. Awesome. And uh, another question I like to ask uh, my guests that have, you know, that have worked, done work with CCW, uh, what's it like working for John? It, it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, you know, he, everything he does has a purpose. He wants to not just put product and content out there, but he wants it to be the best product and the best content possible. Uh, so everything he, he talks about, everything he, you know, goes over with me, there's always a reasoning behind it. It's always a purpose behind it. Um, and, you know, it was easy for me to trust, Hey, this is, this is what he's saying to go with. Let's do it. You know, he's, He's got a such a good vision for CCW and what he wants it to be, and I think where it's going is kind of right on line of what he wants wants CCW to become. I mean, I know he puts in a lot of hours, a lot of yeah. thankless moments, and you know, I I can only thank him so much, and I still I feel like it's not even enough. 
so yeah, so he's he's been awesome to work with, awesome to work for, um, and I couldn't be happier. That's awesome. Yeah. I always make sure to go out of my way. You know, like I said, I talk to John a lot on Facebook, you know, just about the show and just stuff in general. And, you know, and he also will always every throughout the shows by Ben to both, you know, he's been, you know, coming over to me or I'll go walk over to him and he'll, you know, ask me what I'm thinking of the show, you know, and I tell him, you know, how I feel, what I like, you know, and, and everything. And he's really, he really goes out of his way, I think, not only to make sure he takes care of you guys, mm -hmm. but he also goes out of his way to uh, take care of the fans, whether oh. it's, you know, like sending out the, the letters when people buy their tickets or like with me and, you know, my friend Brad and my friend Sean and, and, and the other regulars that are there, he goes out of his way to make, you know, everyone feel important. I mean, he's told me on numerous times, he considers me to be part of the crew, you know, and it's just, he does, he, he goes out of his way to make me feel and make, I think a lot of it, the fans feel, you know, so good about coming to the show. It's this he whatever he does, it makes us want to support him that much more. And it seems like it's the same kind of vibe I get from the wrestlers when I when we start talking about John. It's like the, the kind of guy he is, he's that kind of boss that he's so good at what he does. He may it's like the people he has working for him it makes them want to work even harder. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, like I said, that first show I was there, I'm just kind of there helping out and I couldn't tell you how many times I saw him at the door greeting people helping mm -hmm. people to their seats. Uh, there was times I was walking people to the seats and he'd just take over just to have a conversation with them and introduce mm -hmm. himself. And, you know, having kind of that interaction with the fans, I, like you said, it, it makes people want to support him that much more because now they're involved too. They're invested. They're just as much part of the show as, as we are, as the refs are, as, you know, anyone do production stuff. Um, you know, so yep. it's it's been awesome to see that. Yeah, and if Fun little story here. My first encounter with John at the first show, we were, uh, I just well, gotten there and I met my friend Brad there and, you know, I, we were getting in line and he saw us and he came right over to us and gave us a hug and you, and thank, you know, said, thanks for coming. Thank you for everything you do for me, you know, cause awesome. Brad and I, we, we go out of our way to do a lot of, I guess, promotion for him. And we try to help get the word out there because again, we know how hard he works at wanting to make this product succeed. And, and that, so again, I feel as it's as a responsibility and a privilege to kind of be able to do what I can to help him out with that. So, and it's just, it's great to see he's so genuine. He's so appreciative of everything what, that you guys do, that the fans do, that every, everything that goes into the show, it's just so nice to see that. And it's something you really don't see, I think in a lot of, uh, you know, promotions out there with, you know, the promoters. Exactly. Yeah. And his, his ears are always opening to, you know, good advice, bad advice, positive, mm -hmm. negative. And he's, he's constantly working to make sure that, again, he's putting out the best product that he possibly can, putting the right mm -hmm. people in the right spots. And yeah, he takes, he takes all the criticism, like I said, good or bad, and he makes it all end up being good at the end of the day. Right. So I want to bring up a little clip here because uh, we're going to just show a little clip here about the uh, the match graphic that you had at your show. And I want I want you to talk a little bit about your uh, match here. So we're going to go into this here real quick and then we'll be right back. Okay, so uh, there you had your uh, opponent at the show was uh, Chris Owens. Uh, tell me a little bit about that match. Uh, what, what, uh, how did it go for you? Uh, what was Chris like to work with? And uh, were you both pretty happy with uh, what you uh, went out there and did? Yeah, so I've uh, worked Chris a couple times. I think like two or three times before that. Uh, so we had a, a little bit of understanding of kind of what each one of us like to do, kind of how we both mm -hmm. operate in the ring. Uh, Chris is just getting better each time he stepped in that ring. Um, and so it, it kind of going in, we had some ideas what we wanted to do, kind of what story we were trying to tell. Um, I think overall the match match went really well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like we told the good story, you know, we hit a couple flashy spots each, but I mean, for the most part, it was just a good technical, um, just really sound performance from, you know, him, him and myself. So, you know, I thought it went well. 
Right. Then after the match, uh, you were uh, interrupted, I guess you could say unceremoniously, depending on how you look at it, uh, uh, by uh, the man that you were originally supposed to go up against at the show here and his uh, faction, the Chicago Connection. So uh, so tell me about what that was like. Like you just finished your match up against Chris Owens, you know, with the win. And then all of a sudden you see Jonathan Hudson uh, hitting the ring. Uh, what what did you think of what he had to say? You know, I think they couldn't even let me celebrate. I mean, that's like the definition of a party pooper right there. Like, you know, <laughs> big win trying to celebrate with, you know, the fans. And here they come. Um, but, yeah, it was, you know, I'm excited. One of these days, you know, I might be able to get in that ring with, with Mr. 3% Jonathan Hudson himself and, we are going to tear that house down. Uh, you know, we might end up killing each other before we do it, but, you know, I think we're both excited and we're both ready to get after one another. So when that time comes, it's, that's not going to be one you want to miss. Right. And uh, hopefully, because I know he's, I believe he just recently announced that he's, he's cleared. So hopefully that happens coming up here in August. Um, so a couple more questions here before I let you go. Uh, I wanted to give you a chance. I always like to do a little bit of a you know fantasy booking towards the end of my interviews, kind of open it up, have a little bit more fun and stuff. So I want to ask you if you could book yourself against any wrestler living or dead, who would it be? Uh, would you have? Would there be any stipulations to the match, and where would you want to have that match be held at? Oh, that's a good one. Um. I, you know, I feel like an Iron Man match with Kurt Angle would be would be awesome. Just you know, we suplexing each other, just out wrestling each other, uh, you know, hold for hold and just chaining all day. Um, I, I think that would be an awesome match. So definitely something to test our cardios and you know see what we could do. Um, you know, like I said, just always a big fan of his. Plus, with his amateur style, I think our styles would would you know, clash very well head to head. And I think that would be awesome. Um, you know, and I think uh, maybe like an outdoor WrestleMania of some sort, of course, you know, you want all, all the big fans there, all the outdoors, the fireworks, you want all the, all the party, the glitz and the glam. So you mentioned the word party. So, and for those that didn't get a chance to uh, go to the show, or, you know, I haven't seen you in action. You come out to uh, Party Hard by Andrew W.K., which you and I had a little bit of a conversation about. I love that song. Yes. Um, how, what went into uh, the process of, you know, going through music and then you settling on the song to be your theme? So I think I was just tossing a lot of stuff around. I wanted something kind of in your face, upbeat, like you hear that and you can't help but want a party right um so some like lmfao stuff kind of got thrown out there i was like eh, maybe not quite the vibe uh and then you know talking with with roach you know he was mentioning some stuff and then i think like i came across just kind of on the loop of youtube stuff andrew wk stuff came up um and so i had one of his songs and he's like well what about you know party hard and i was like oh yeah you know we were kind of tossing things around and you know, it landed up, landed on what we landed on. That's awesome. Yeah. It's just, I think that song. Also, I, uh, I feel like a lot of people don't quite maybe grasp the concept of, of how vital, you know, that song is to the overall presentation to the character. I mean, you've got, you know, party hard for you. You've got, you know, the, you know, also, Sprague, Zarathustra, the theme for 2001 for Ric Flair. Mm -hmm. You've got, you know, the game by Triple H. For You've got, you know, Kurt Angle's metal song. I mean, it's yeah. just, it, 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 tell me what, how vital do you feel like with when it comes to a theme song being the right, being the right, making the, how essential the right theme song is for the, for a character. I feel like that, that theme song kind of sets the tone. So I guess depending on, you know, what your gimmick is, what you're trying to portray, you know, like for me, it, it's every time I step foot in that ring, it's a party, you know, I take it serious, but it's a party. And so for me, like I said, I want something that like hits you in the face right away. Something you hear and they're like, we know who's coming out. 
Uh, you know, like I said, Triple H, like anytime you hear the <laughs> time to play the game, you know yep. exactly what you know. You know exactly what you're in for. Um, and so, you know, I think I think the music is kind of like that first introduction. Like you know, you if you don't have necessarily the right music when you come out, the fans might not grasp it, and they might be like, "Ah, eh, this guy's okay." But if you come out with something that fits your gimmick perfectly. You're playing mm-hmm. into the music just as much as that music plays into you. I think that's another way just to bring those fans in. And, you know, when, like I said, they, they hear my music now. They know they know who's coming out. It's no secret anymore. And they're just as excited before I even get out there. And right. when I come out, they're even more excited all of a sudden. So I think, you know, uh, that music is is key to kind of a good character, and good character development and kind of helping you get over as well. Awesome. So last uh, thing here before I let you go. Um, usually like at the, I'd like to conclude every interview by letting my guests get, uh, get some time, as much time as they need to plug any upcoming shows and also how people can reach you on social media, which I'll pull that back up here on the banner, um, and stuff. So, and then also, uh, merchandise, cause I know that's always big with the wrestlers there. So, uh, this is your time, uh, Chip to, uh, tell my audience about any upcoming shows you have how people can reach you, which again, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can actually see that on the scrolling across the bottom of the screen, as well as how people can get get your a hold of your merchandise. Yeah. So on Facebook, just uh, search Chip Walker. Uh, you'll find me on there. And then on Instagram, it's at the party manimal. Uh, mm. If you want any kind of merch, just feel free to message me. Uh, I don't have any like specific links or anything for merch yet. Uh, so we're still always revamping and, finding new ideas for new merch and things like that. So if you're interested, we got t-shirts right now. We got koozies. Uh, there's pictures. We got some uh, ballet party towels as well. Um, you know, so just, just hit me up for those. Um, you know, we could always work out any kind of deals or shipping, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, if you're interested in merch, just hit me up on socials. Um, upcoming shows this actually this weekend on Saturday. Uh, I'll be over in South Bend uh, at RCW uh, for their cancer benefit show. Um, so okay. Taking on taking on Eric Dillinger there, um, who is an up, you know he's he's making names for himself all throughout you know the Midwest. Um, so that's going to be an awesome match. And then um, at, on the thirtieth on that Friday night, uh, doing a show in Bourbon, Indiana at WTF um, in a street fight. Again, taking on Eric Dillinger. Uh, a little bit of a grudge match there. Um, they're doing a three rings of doom show. So they're going to have three rings all set up Ooh. at one time. Um, I know last year they had two rings that were normal. Um, and then the third ring had a cage around it. Uh, oh, so wow. Not sure if that's the same plan for this year. Uh, but yeah, he'll have all three rings set up. Um, and so I'm taking on Eric Dillinger in a street fight there. Uh, then after that, it's uh, CCW. Um, and we're just kind of moving forward from there. Um, yeah that's about all i got booked right now awesome well definitely appreciate you taking the time uh good luck uh with your show uh coming up uh this weekend as well as what you got coming up the end of the month and then obviously the ccw show which i barring anything unforeseen i will be there probably my usual uh spot so (laughs) perfect uh, Yes, I will definitely be looking forward to uh, chatting with you there. But again, Chip, I want to take thank you for uh, taking the time to do this with me. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, I'll see you here in a little over a month. Sounds good. Appreciate you, and thank you, uh, thank you again for the opportunity and everything that you've been doing, uh, just promoting and getting the word out there for us. Definitely, man. I, you guys are, I consider you guys all to be friends and, you know, I've been told by a lot of the guys and John, I'm part of the team. So I'm just like, uh, it's like, uh, the late Luke Harper once said, I'm a team player. <laughs> there you and, go. <laughs> so, all right, man. Have a good one. Thank you too. Ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls, wrestling fans of all ages. This is Gregarious Greg Hansen and you're listening to what do you say with DDJ on the Johnners Podcasting Network? Enjoy. Thanks again to Chip Walker for uh, taking some time out of his day to have a chat with me. I hope everyone enjoyed this show as much as I enjoyed doing the interview. Uh, don't forget to check out Chip coming up here at a couple of shows. This first one will have already happened by the time this show drops, but I'm still going to definitely give it some love. It's for Revolution Championship Wrestling Presents Live Pro Wrestling. It's the 14th Annual Slam Cancer Benefit Show. 
Uh, it happened on Saturday, July 17th at the Goodson Event Center at located at 1905 Goodson Court in uh, South Bend, Indiana. Coming up on July 30th uh, for live pro wrestling, they present Three Rings of Doom. It's at the Bourbon Park Pavilion at 417 Sunset Drive in Bourbon, Indiana. Uh, tickets are available. Uh, front row seats are $20. Second row seats are $15. And then general admission seats are $10. And then last but not least, definitely come to uh, check out Chip in Action at uh, the, for Chicago Land Championship Wrestling as they present Worlds Collide on Saturday night, August 21st. Uh, tickets are $10 or a family four-pack for $30. It's located at the American Legion 451 in uh, Michigan City, Indiana. Address is 121 Squiat Legion Avenue, and that's S-K-W-I-A-T. The uh, flyers are coming across the screen here as we speak, as well as the show information will be on the episode descriptions and if you download listening to this on an audio platform. You can also reach out to Chip on social media at Chip Walker on Facebook and at the Party Manimal on Instagram. And if you're interested in supporting Chip by buying a t-shirt, just reach out to him uh, via social media and he will definitely hook you up. Well, that's all the time I have this week for uh, this episode of What Do You Say with DDJ? And I'll see you in another week with episode 51. Uh, I want to take the time to thank everyone for listening, and I'll see you in a week. Bye. Hey there, it's DDJ from What Do You Say with DDJ, and coming up on Saturday, July 24th from noon to 2 p.m., AEW superstar Christopher Daniels will be doing an autograph signing at the Top Shelf Sport Cards located at 359 South Randall Road in Elgin, Illinois. Go to TopShelfBreaks.com and check them out on Facebook to get all of the ticket information. Here at Toilet Side Wrestling Talk, we interview the top wrestling stars on the independent wrestling circuit with questions including, who exposed you to wrestling? Were you nervous the night before your first day of training? Did your family support your wrestling dream? Are you a witch? For $700,000, would you legally marry a horse? Have you ever cried from a Vin Diesel movie? These questions and much more on Toilet Side Wrestling Talk.